Well, as we gather in this space every week, lots of things happen, lots of different things happen. Um, before I get to the message, of course, I, I want you to let you know that if you're thinking to yourself, how is it possible that Megan and James can get so quickly off the stage and not be in the background when James is standing up to preach or doing centering prayer because they're almost always there, except this morning, the music is pre-recorded. And why, you might ask, is it pre-recorded? Because a certain individual has been born. Uh, baby boy Donley Galen has been born uh, this week. Uh, he was six pounds, some odd number of ounces that now escape me. This is important. Six pounds, eight ounces, and 20.3 inches long. Thank you, Joy. This is why you have a team. This is why you have a team. So they, are, they went to the hospital earlier this week, and, and Megan is doing fine, and Galen is doing fine, and James was texting us up a storm this morning to make sure we were ready for worship today. And so I think he's fine too. Uh, th that seems to be the case. So we're excited to congratulate them on the birth of Galen. What a, what a joy for us all. Um, when I was growing up, uh, my father could fix anything. Uh, Daddy had the ability to, to, to fix the broken things. He could, he could rewire an electrical outlet if we needed to. There, was there were times when there were plumbing issues and I would put on my matching uh, overalls that, and dad would put on his overalls and we'd crawl under the house together. I would do absolutely nothing of value but watch daddy work. Um, uh, and that was pretty much uh, the kind of way I grew up. And so I grew into the sense, um, part of it is probably that I'm the firstborn and responsibility kind of gets wired into a firstborn child. And part of it was watching dad fix just about anything that broke but I thought I could fix anything. I, I, I can take apart and put together computers. I can take apart and, and put together things. I can troubleshoot. It seems to be wired into my being, whether that's part of my being a male or whatever it happens to be. I can take things apart and put them back together. They may not work when I put them back together, but I can take them apart and at least put the screws back in the right place. But recently, I have come face to face in the last half a year with my inability to fix everything. Um, as Linda has struggled at various points with what we thought was uh, rheumatoid arthritis and the pain that comes with that, and I would so like to take that on or to be able to fix that uh, and have had to trust people who uh, who know what they're doing but can't seem to fix it quite, uh, to do that, to recognize my own humanity and to recognize the challenge of being human. Uh, all that power that I thought accrued to me as a pastoral person, as a spiritual person, as a, a father and a husband and a son and a cousin and a brother and blah, blah, all those things, 
all that power didn't get me very far. Now that's all a way of segueing into something because I do have a great power and we're gonna talk a little bit about that power that Jesus passed on to the disciples and that we're meant to pass on. But it's not like the power that we define as powerful. It's a different way of being powerful. In chapter 17 of the Gospel of John, Jesus is praying for his disciples. They're together and he prays for them. Um, you know, he speaks, Father, the time has come for you, to, for me to be glorified. But he goes on in verse six to say, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from this world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you, have, you gave to me, I, give, I have given to them and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf, I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those that you gave me because they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I have been glorified in them. He goes on to say later on, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Now when I hear that, uh, initially, I sat with that sentence for a while this week because I think the, the crux, the cross, the piece of my sermon that really matters is uh, a bit of understanding about as you have sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. And part of it is, uh, it sounds like it's just a declaration. You sent me, I'm sending them. And that sounds good. It's always good to have a simple declaration of, but I was looking closely at that word as, as you have sent me, so I am sending them. Now I want you to think about in what form as Jesus was sent, a person, a human being. Um, in many ways, a, being, a human being that we think of as very powerful. And yet, as a people of faith, we saw his greatest power in his giving his life away on the cross. That's where the power was. Sure, he did some healing, he cast out some demons, uh, and all those kinds of pieces that we see in his ministry. He did powerful teaching. He did some other kinds of miraculous things, multiplied loaves and fishes and calmed storms in people's lives. All of that we know about. And we imagine that that is power. And yet, the greatest power we see in this Jesus is his giving his life away on the cross, in his willingness to die, in his loving us so much that he gave everything. And you see, 
That's the as that catches my eye. Now you may think I'm just playing with the semantics of this sentence, but I don't think I am. And we can obviously disagree agreeably. As the Father sent me into the world, as a human being, a vulnerable human being, one that could be broken, uh, that could be uh, nailed to a cross, that could be uh, that could have negative things happen, that could have to ha people say ugly things about them. All of those kinds of vulnerabilities, all of those kinds of challenges, all those temptations that come with being human, Jesus took them on just as he was sent into the world, so he sends us. Vulnerable, broken. We're not supposed to be the judges of the world. We're not supposed to be the ones who decide who gets in and who gets out. We are not the ones who get to decide which political party is the right party or any of those kinds of things. We don't get to do that. We can join one if we want to, a party or a, a, a club or anything like that, as long as it exemplifies for us the absolute love we are meant to give away in this world. Because that's all we have. I used to think of all the things I had included things like my retirement account and my cars and my cabin in West Virginia uh, and all those things that I have. But in the end, all that really matters that I have is the same thing that Jesus brought into the world. He didn't have a cabin in West Virginia. He didn't have a retirement account. He didn't have any of that. He didn't even have a job. Maybe he was a carpenter and he worked on the side. But by the time he started his ministry, all he did was wander from place to place and rely on the kindness of strangers. Rely on the kindness of strangers. And that's what he had. And that's what he meant, I am convinced, in this one sentence when he's praying for us. I'm sending them out into the world just as I came into the world recognizing that all I have is love to give. And that love doesn't even belong to me. It was a gift from you all along. This model, this blueprint for how we're meant to live, I've passed it along. I've passed it along to them. And I've told them to go into the world and pass it along some more, to live the blueprint. And what does the blueprint look like? It looks like that piece that Paul wrote about in, in Philippians, emptying ourselves. It's the recognition that Paul wrote about in the letter to the Colossians when he said, in Christ all things are held together. It is Christ, the eternal blueprint of all that is, the eternal love that binds us and relates us, molecule by molecule, atom by atom, person by person, organization by organization, planet by planet, the thing that relates us to one another is this love. Now, it doesn't seem like much power. It doesn't seem like much power. But I discovered for myself in the last, especially when Linda went into the hospital on Easter Sunday evening and came home, uh, that was April the 4th, and she came home uh, from the hospital and then from uh, 
the rehab uh, facility where she worked on physical therapy and occupational therapy and cognitive therapy uh, to regain strength. She came home 32 days later. And I found out during those 32 days, all I had to give was love. That's all I had. I couldn't fix it. I couldn't walk into the hospital room and just chat with one doctor, know immediately what it was, me know immediately what it was, and just say, Doc, if you give her this, it'll all be fixed. It's not quite like pulling a, a, an electrical outlet out of the wall and rewiring it. You know, we have all these polarized outlets in the house at, uh, at the house. And if you don't know what that is, that's the two-prong plugs. And we need grounded plugs, three-prong plugs. So over time, I have slowly replaced plugs, outlets, in, our, in the parsonage uh, with grounded plugs. Because I can. I can fix that. I can't fix the pain Linda has felt and the struggles she has felt in the midst of all of this. All I've got to give, all I've got to give, and it didn't seem like enough. All I've got to give is love. And there had to have been moments in Jesus' ministry, even in this prayer when he's praying to his Father, that all the love and all of the plans and the blueprints and the joy that he had laid out for the disciples to understand what he was doing and what they were meant to do, there had to be moments when it didn't seem like it was enough. It seems like love isn't quite enough. I want to love, but then I think about love when it comes to my wife, and loving her in the midst of this struggle. And then I look at this bigger world. How could love be enough to stop the Palestinians and the Israelis from fighting each other? And how can my love impact that? How can my love stop the Democrats and Republicans from acting like idiots? I don't know. <laughs> but it's the only power I have. And if we're honest with ourselves, it's the only power any of us have. And it's not very powerful in the sense that we understand power. It doesn't make someone move from this side of the room. I can't look at someone in love, and there's nobody over there for me to look at at this moment, so I can't even use it as an example. I can't look at them in love and make them move across the room. It's not that kind of power that compels it's the kind of power that invites a different kind of response so that when somebody says something ugly, I recognize in love I don't have to respond in kind, but can respond kindly. I can let things go. I can forgive. And you see, that's the power that the church has. That's the power that we have the ability to let go, to recognize what's important, love, and what's not important, stuff, to recognize what's important, forgiveness, what's not important, organizational connection, success, worldly power. In the end, what matters is love. When I hear the words... 
that Jesus prayed to his Father, as you have sent me, so I send them. I recognize that we are sent into a world that doesn't always recognize love, but we are called to love. A world that doesn't always want to forgive, but we are called to forgive. A world that wants to grasp tightly to life. You watch enough commercials, you know that. It's all about how you grab life for yourself. It might be the right beer or the right wine or the right uh, anti-depression drug or it might be the right size house or it might be you know, the right smell or the right computer. You grab onto those things and you'll really have life. I'm not saying that some of those things aren't necessary to live and aren't important. What I'm saying is we can't be designed by what the world says is most important. If all it took for God to reach into the world was to send his son as a human being with no greater power than love itself to be a part of our common humanity and show us what it looks like to love. If it was good enough for God to send Jesus in the world to do that, then that's how Jesus is sending us into the world. How does it look when you are loving the world? Can you picture for a moment, just take a second, and you can do it again when it's communion time. Take a moment to picture what love looks like. How does it happen through your hands? How does it happen through your eyes and through your ears? Now see, if you have Disney Plus Channel and you have watched The Whale Show, this beautiful new release of The Whale Show, you will hear the hard work of Mark Haskins and his entire team who were behind that post-production audio. Now, he's very embarrassed that I've even mentioned him. If there were people in the room, they would all turn around and look at him. I would point them to him, but they can't see him. Uh, and I can't make his wife turn the camera toward him, and it would be cause problems. But um, the challenge is he loved through his ears, through listening and carefully putting those pieces together as a part of a team that made those beautiful sounds happen. Love looks like so many different things in this world. It's beautiful and it's kind and it's good. And it shows up even when everybody else would run away. And it keeps going. It keeps loving. It gets tired and it gets back up and loves some more. The life of faith is one of great challenge because you can't make anybody do anything. All you can do is love them the way they are and invite them to love you and God back and the rest of the world and the universe, etc. As you have sent me, Jesus says, so I send them. And what are they sent into the world? Vulnerable and filled with love. And it's enough. And it's enough. As the Father sent me, so I send you.
it's going to be hard and you're not going to be able to fix everything. And that's going to be the hardest part. All you're going to be able to do is love and trust that love will make a difference. Can you do it? Can you make this experiment with me? To discover that love is enough. It doesn't fix everything. At least not visually sometimes. But it will change the very fabric of all that we are and the universe in which we live.